Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a super duper mind blowing episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. <laughs> we, we, uh, were, we were talking before this and funny things uh, yeah. were said. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It um, how's your week? How are you been? How are your oh. dreams? My my dreams are always weird. Like no, no, like even... your your like hopes and dreams, not not what you dreamt about, not the random nonsense your your unconscious told you. It's it's because that's that's not even worth the breath that I've spared it already. Um, my other dreams are uh, pretty good, pretty good. We did another uh, live stream for Dangerous Destinations today, so that was fun. Um. And let's see. Other than that, um, in my downtime, I've been uh, playing some more cyberpunk. Nice. And that's been a lot of fun. I've been uh, I maxed out my body attributes. So I've got 20 in that. And it feels really good. Just wrenching open doors and garage doors. And I do like that animation. Oh, it feels so good. I wanted to do a stealth build the first time I played, and I was yep. really disappointed that there was no takedown animation that used any like weapons. Yeah, and so I re-rolled and did a strength-based stealth build. Mm-hmm. So it like when I was running around choking people out, it like seemed like it made sense. Yeah, and then you would go rip open doors and other things and one punch man people across the room. Oh, and, dude, uh, <laughs> so that was. <laughs> Pretty good. You do that. You just get the gorilla arms and just beat eight yep. shades of blue into anything you find. Oh, eight shades of blue. Interesting. It's, just, it's so good. Um, so I've been like that. doing that and uh, I've got I did six in all attributes. Then I took body all the way up and I've got tech up to 18 so that I can craft legendary items because I have, I get this OCD thing where the way cyberpunk does the um, iconic weapons when you find them, it shows up like in the world as an orange like loot box, which corresponds to legendary. So you see it immediately. You're like, oh, yeah. And then you pick it up. And usually they don't actually start or come into your inventory as legendary. A lot of them actually uh, arrive in your inventory as like rare, but they are um, they're flagged as legendary out in the world. So you don't miss them or skip over them. You see that orange box. You're like, oh, I better make sure I freaking right. That's that. That's useful. Yeah. They even do that in uh, Diablo 3, like it lands on the ground and you can see it on the yeah. map and so, that's, so you don't miss that. So that's helpful, but then I go to look for it in my inventory and it's actually blue and I'm like, Aah! so I took text that's- so that I could pop those things up to, to legendary, um, but I'm not sure if I want to push tech another two points to get it Mm. to 20 because if i don't i've got 14 attribute points to play with which is enough to get one of the 
other attributes up to 20. I mean, uh, I'm not level 50 yet, but once I get up to level 50, I will have a total of 14 Mm. points that I can pump into something else. So I'm debating between reflex, int, or, uh, or cool to push up. And I'm, I'm really torn. Like have, do you have a favorite out of those three? I mean, I'm an altaholic, right? So like for me, I, <laughs> that's true. The idea of getting to level 50 is like, just not a thing I do. Um, because I'd be like, well, you're going to, I have like the head cannon version of my character. When I get started, mm-hmm. I want to do a specific build. I achieve that build. Then every roll, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's essentially, you know, how I've played Skyrim and fallout gotcha. and every other game. But, uh, having said that you said, you said uh, crafting, finesse, and or so. And what's so the other far, one? so far, I have full body and almost full tech, which encompasses crafting. Um, right, tech. That's right. So That's what the they call ones, it. the ones I have left, tech is are- boring, but you need it for power, right? Yeah, because like, like most of the stuff in tech is small chance that maybe you didn't pay for this and uh or you know get another and i'm like that's not okay that's cool i guess well and there's um, there's a lot of like but XP i'm like he hidden in there too yeah and then they uh, anyway i don't want to complain about it but i just feel like most of the time i'm just pumping the points in so i can hit those milestones sure um to like but like i don't want to put talent points in it like i just want to get the few things i need yeah which is fine i guess um i don't know like it really depends on on what your your concept is right now uh the last thing i was doing was was tech and whatever the hacking one is yeah Uh, intelligence intelligence yeah and that is that's straight up like it's rough until you're like level seven and then it's like amazing like even at that low, even at that low level, it's already like okay, this is almost too good. This is actually maybe not fun because it's so good. Oh, I I got myself the uh, the quick hack for cyber psychosis, and I oh, geez. love it because I <laughs> oh my god I because I scan a room and there's yeah. like I w- I had to take down like this animal base. So I found like right. the biggest, baddest mother right in the middle and gave that sucker cyber psychosis. They freaked the crap out and just go and nice attack everybody. Ape crap on everyone. So everyone runs toward them. And then I get my tech rifle and just start punching holes through the freaking wall and just pegging these bastards one after the next oh, and see, it is so if they're all good. standing next to each other i feel like contagion is the play there oh right? i haven't even messed with contagion oh my gosh it's so good it's just it's just chain dots you know that just oh they spread to each other you basically give them all super covid it's <laughs> oh uh, my god it's really great i i highly, highly recommend casting contagion in cyberpunk 10 out of 10 would cyber infect again yeah you can call my character batman oh god i because of bats oh there you go um so yeah anyway i've been uh playing uh 
Hearthstone. I That's saw fun. that. Did I thought you stopped playing that ages ago? I did. I did. You know, I think I've quit that game twice. Um, what the heck e- pulled you back in? Well, I had a student who was like, hey, oh. play me in Hearthstone. And he's like the, you know, one of the guys in my government class that can like actually do things. Mm. And, and so he was done like five minutes early and I was like, yeah, let's play. Uh, and it was fun to like kind of just play those old decks I had collected. And yeah. But when you log in, you know, if you've been gone for a while, they're like, hey, here's a bunch of free stuff. Please don't leave us again. Oh, and they gave me Maybe this uh, pirate deck for warrior. And I was oh. like, pirates, you say. And I've been Go climbing on. the right ladder with my free pirate deck. It's I been saw great. you hit platinum. I was like, I didn't even know what that looked like. <laughs> yeah, that was like that. didn't even have platinum and gold and diamond and stuff like before I quit last time. It was just numbers. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting, you know. That's but having cool. fun with that. There have been some interesting dynamic things in in Hearthstone. You're like some of the cards are just really bananas. Really, you know what I really love. You know, Hearthstone is an extremely well designed game. Oh, sure. It's frustrating because of the the business aspect, and it is yeah. definitely like pay to win to an extent. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not like you could get by and not spend much money. It's not right? like it's not gross, disgusting, sleazy pay to win. Yeah, it's it's, it's not it's, it's not digital horrible. magic by yeah. boosters. Yeah, yeah, by boosters. Know, and, everybody and, and knows that's how it works. Too. It's you know, yeah, it's no different than than playing magic. Essentially, it's just that the cards can do different things because they're run by computers and yep. not by human brains. So mm-hmm. that's you know, I, I enjoy it a lot and it's very creative. It's very brilliant in its design. There's a lot of solo adventure type things that you can do. That's um, that's new in the past really like couple of years. There's a lot of new features. So I've been really enjoying getting back into that. Plus, you know, when you're a, an adult and you've got like all these this uh, responsibilities and, and stuff like that, all these distractions, mm-hmm. then it's nice to have a game that's basically over in five minutes and then you yeah. can play again or you can move on or say just a sec, honey. And you really mean just a sec or, yeah. it, you know, you can just quit the game and it's not a big deal. Right. Yep. It's like, you know, I can't leave League of Legends in the middle of a match without the game threatening to ban me. Right. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Like they, they, which I understand because nine other people's like fun is about to be affected by you. Oh, yeah. But like, at the same Ryan, time, like threatens to tell the IRS a bunch of crap about <laughs> you or something like they go, you will regret this. You you get your text message from the, your uh, guardian FBI agent. You know, <laughs> I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> very disappointed in you. <laughs> I thought you were better than this. I thought, yeah. So I've been <laughs> doing that. I've been playing, of course, League of Legends a lot. I'm trying nice. to. Trying to get better at that, trying to reform my my esports team and and get them ready for, mm. for competition as, as best I can. But it's it's been hard actually. You Dude. would think it'd be difficult to get a bunch of teenagers to get together and play League of Legends, but obligation. At least the ones that play well, you know, it's it's hard. Yeah. As soon as it becomes obligation, it's it's no longer fun. They all 
beg to have the program. And then you're like, okay, show up on time and follow the schedule and practice. And they're like, um, well, that doesn't sound like fun. Practice my video so. game. Sorry, coach. I decided uh, I was weak. I went outside and played. I get I get so many excuses. It's, it's it, you know, it just makes me laugh a little bit. You know, what can you do? What are the worst excuses that you've gotten? Just like I, I'll have a kid say that they're sick, it, but they're in Discord. So then it's like so-and-so <laughs> is playing RuneScape. And I'm like, okay. Turn off the feature that makes Discord you know, rat you out. <laughs> yeah, Discord rats them out all the time, you know, or whatever. It's, you know, I don't want to talk too much crap, but it's it's just kind of, oh, sure. I'm, I'm a little bit incredulous, you know, it's just because I guess to me, it seems like it would have been a dream come true to have this when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it wasn't available. Uh, and, you know, and we did. Yeah, I did plays in high school. I did drama club, like sure. I assume uh, a lot of D&D and role playing oh, people yeah, do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, our club was like hard, right? Like preparing for plays. That was like a job that you did. And, oh, yeah. And you loved it. I had I and, had friends who were who were in drama as well. And like when when a play was coming up, like and I mean, like a couple months away. Like they had no time to do freaking anything. Like, yeah, it was a big deal. It was, yeah. it was everything you did. And like the, the week of the show, like we would get oh. out of class all the time for, for yep. various functions to, to prepare or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was, and it a was big perfectly deal. valid that you did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really big deal. And, but it was hard work and it was tons of obligation. Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, I'm 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 sounding like a major boomer right now with all my complaints. <laughs> when I kids. was your age, I'm technically a millennial, which I guess also makes you a millennial. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw that we're actually uh, we fall into this weird, um, like very tight range called zennials because mm. we're we're like just on the cusp of being old enough to remember all the analog stuff and have actually like really used it. We, we definitely remember phones that had cords (laughs) like, Oh yeah. 100%. The phone with the, with the pigtail cord that's like eight feet long. So it can stretch across your house (laughs) from the wall, (laughs) man. I, I can remember, you know, listening to my Walkman, while I'm doing uh, my paper route. You know? Oh, yeah. Classic yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. I, you know, flipping my cassette tape, you know, halfway through the, the route, you know? Oh, yeah, man. The, do you ever uh, record record songs off the radio? And you, oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah, man. You know that this radio station is, pl- is like, r- usually plays this one song that you like, but you never know when it's going to come on. So you like get, you've got your tape ready and <laughs> you've like you got the your button. finger on the trigger and you're like, please give me a warning that the song's coming up. Sometimes the DJ will be like, and then coming up, we're going to play blah, blah, blah. And then it like comes on. You're like, hit it. <laughs> like, and you just pray to God that the tape doesn't get like chewed up in the freaking radio. 
Oh yeah, that you know I can remember. Yeah, spooling the the tape back into the cassette <laughs> if it got loose. You know that was just it happened all the time. You know uh, I, I used to I had like one or two VHS te- tapes and mm-hmm. had that that TV that had the the built in VHS player in there. Yeah, record cartoons as they came on. Um, and I would just would use the same that. tape to re-record over the tape. Yeah, all the time. My dad would do that for me with Winnie the Pooh. Oh yeah, man, dude, that's great. Good time, dude. Uh, yeah, we are old. Yeah, we have <laughs> dated ourselves real hard. Yeah, real we really hard. did. So it was there. There, there were magical times, you know. In a lot of ways, I wonder if we were happier because we had less and it was more difficult. Yeah, maybe, we we maybe are ignorance is old. bliss it to is. a certain degree. It is. Yeah. It is. So I, it really I mean, geez, is. my the stuff my daughter talks about, you know, she's 10 and she's yeah. already dealing with such heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, she's already dealing with real big kid type problems. And, you know, her social interactions with her with her friends are just so different than than what I remember. And, and not just the gender gap, but. Oh, yeah. Like we, you know, just what you're concerned about. Is so yeah. different. When I was 10, we literally went out in the street and played stickball. We had a oh, broomstick yeah, and a freaking tennis ball and smacked that sucker down the street. And all I had to worry had. about is, am I going to be able to keep up with that tennis ball when my buddy just creams that thing down the block and I get halfway down the block and I'm just wheezing out of my chest? <laughs> just... <laughs> Yeah, man. Now it's like, oh, this now, is my now social that's called media. free range, <laughs> free range children. Yeah, fr- free range parenting. You know, now that now the cops like are like, what's happening here? Why are these two children walking down the street unintended? Oh God, that that's but that's just the way it was, man. Yeah, like I I don't understand. Like now I think about how I was just I was able to like just run to like an empty lot you know, in the neighborhood and just screw around or run over to a park and play in the woods or just whatever I freaking wanted, really. And yeah, you really had a lot of freedom. No supervision. And now, like unheard of <laughs> thinking about do letting my kids do that. I'm like, how insane would I have to be? <laughs> You're right, because we all have this idea that they're just going to get kidnapped like the moment you let them outside, right? Oh, yeah. Like every single person on the street is the bad guy from Law and Order SVU. All of yes, them. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I think it's a combination of scary TV and, of course, news. It's just, yep. You know, I get Amber alerts on my phone all the time. It's like my kid's not going out of sight for a while. Nope. I got this Amber alert. Yep. It's a, it's a terrifying thing. So anyway, uh, you know, speaking of the the old days and terrifying um, things and terrifying things, I, I actually got to play D and D as, as, uh, God intended, Mm -hmm. uh, the other day Mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, Sunday it was with my, um, was with my family and, uh, I literally drew a dungeon by hand. On, I had tell a, me a you piece of like printer paper. paper. Oh. No, I just it was it was the blank. It, it would have been better if it was grid paper, but oh. it was okay because it was a it was an outdoor dungeon anyway. Oh, okay. 
So it like they were fighting basically in this canyon. Neat. And they're they're fighting they're against some Yantes and they're trying to uh to rescue some villagers and stuff like that that have been um, essentially put to to work. And anyway, I drew this thing by hand. I had the sort of um dry erase uh, grid board thing that I purchased and you know the had my uh, you know the the wet erase uh chessex mat we use in college. Yeah. I still yeah. have it rolled up next to my bookcase in in this oh, office. Yeah. That yeah. thing's great. Yeah, man. It's that thing's great, man. I, I've got this one that's it's stiff and it folds out almost like a board game. Oh, cool. Um and it's double sided. I think it's one that's produced by wizards, I'm pretty sure. It's and one side is like it looks like kind of an indoor dungeon grid classic. The oh, other one's just yeah. sort of this general sort of grassy texture. Mm. And so then you just draw on top of that. And so I did that and we had minis. Most of them didn't look like what they were trying to represent. Classic. Um, uh, everyone had, you know, physical dice. Uh, oh, man. I had my my GM screen with all the little tables on the inside and so my stack of books next to me. Notebook paper. That was it. And uh, it was classic D&D. And I, and I realized when I was playing it that um you know, it had probably been like, I don't know, like probably close to four or five years since I had done it that way. That must have felt so cool. I mean, I know a lot of people are going through that right now because they're stuck inside because of the, the pandemic mm. and they're they're not used to using things like Roll20 or other VTTs. And um, I'm very used to it because for me, the issue was I am old, as we established mm. early on in the episode. And Everybody I play with, uh, with a couple of exceptions, are, are pretty old, and we like have families, and we have yeah. you know jobs. We in a lot of cases we live far away from one another. I have one player who's in New Zealand, you know, and this idea of getting together physically, I mean, it's just it would it would completely change how often I could play if if oh, that was totally. a requirement. Yeah, we're able to do what we can you know, and play as often as we can because of the digital format. But I had almost completely forgotten how to play this game. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But it was a magical feeling. And there is something that is special about doing it all by hand. And I think that everybody had fun doing it by hand. And so that was wonderful. Like tracking your hit points with pencil on your paper character sheet. Like, remember when you'd get your character sheet to the point where you needed to print another one because you had written and erased and written and erased so much you were like about to burn through the paper? Yeah, just every like three levels or so, you just basically replaced your your character sheet, which was also fun. Especially yeah. if your GM was cool about it and was like, well, if you want to do a little respects, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, you know, man. Um, that could be a, a, a really good time. And then it was nice to have that fresh sheet ready to go. And totally, you know, keep the keep a binder with all their useful tables and and class features and stuff. And it was really fun to to have that experience. I always like printing on like nice, heavy cardstock. Mm, oh, there that you go. Felt good. Oh. Yeah, Bristol paper. Oh, you know, yeah. 
Oh, I'm about you to know? art nerd out over here, man. <laughs> oh, it feels so well, it was good. Great, you know, being at art school, a bunch of artists, like everybody's drawing their characters. Everybody's writing stuff. Everybody's yeah. putting all these creative er- efforts. You know, I used to give out XP for, you know, extra, you know, uh, work done outside of the session. I like, got so like much working. XP. You did. Oh. Like, I had to stop doing it because I was like, this dude's not going to do his homework. I, 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 I still did. <laughs> <laughs> I just did more homework for you. <laughs> yeah, you really did. I was like this, this class you had the entire time that oh, you were in man. college. And- Straight A's, baby. Yeah. Straight A's. So, I, I loved it, though. Um, That's so cool, those are, man. Those were the good old days. You they know? were the good old days. So I had a lot of fun playing physical D and D again, and I, I hope I get to do that with with the students again, and and uh, maybe with a group of friends, um, you know, in a nice nice table. I, I saw somebody post in um, one of the Facebook groups, like mm. you know, he had made this beautiful table. Yeah, all the player stations were were set up just so, and he had all this. I saw like that little too. props and different sides of the room. And, and I know a lot of GMs do it. And, um, yeah. you know, I know spike gets really into creating the scenery and oh, the pieces totally. and, and using like, you know, classic visual effects to, mm-hmm. to have things happen, which is, you know, there's something just wonderful about that. Yeah. And I, I kind of forgotten that feeling and, and it was nice in in a way like you know world 20 and other game platforms like that they they make the game very convenient yeah you know but they're in in a way it's almost too convenient it's too good yeah and yeah. you lose you lose some of that visceral physical animal feel yeah that that's one of the reasons that um i've mentioned like you know all the um like the the easy access to these incredibly high quality art assets, like just by Googling and stuff like that. Um, and lighting, digital lighting effects and all these things kind of put your brain in a position where you almost don't really have to use your imagination that much. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Being there, but it does person. make grid-based combat like more fair and precise. Yes, yes so there's it, it some does. trade-off there. Yeah, but that's so cool, man. That's yeah, very cool. Uh, I loved it. Um, yeah. So our topic, our topic tonight is actually going to be a little sneak peek at uh, uh, Dangerous Destinations, the book that I've been working on, and I thought tonight we could do. Um, a little bit of creative fun and try making a dangerous place. Let's make a dangerous place. That sounds like a great make time. a dangerous place. All right. So I think you've got your digital dice on hand. Yes, because all of my physical stuff is now at my father's house. All right. <laughs> where, we, where we played our physical game. Yeah. Um, so I will do that. Um, and hopefully the clicking doesn't get too annoying, but here we go. Shouldn't be too bad. So, uh, and then like, should I take notes or are you going to track this stuff? Um, if you can, that yeah, would I'll take work out great. Okay. I'll put this on the back of this, uh, drawing I was making of our war forged party. Oh, I 
I want to see that. Yeah, I almost stopped because I nearly died. Um, something happened to me last night. Let's uh, <laughs> let's not get into that. Oh my gosh! Just Andrew loves to kill my characters, and uh, hey, yeah, he made even when me we're in the do same it. Party. <laughs> he made me. I didn't want to do it until I had to. Then I was like, well, you know, if you're gonna do a thing. I, I do appreciate that, like, you tried to, like, strat- strategically kill us, right? Like, you, you, you yeah. gave it your best shot. I was like, hey, if, I'm, if I got to do this, let it not be said that I <laughs> pulled punches. They pulled punches. That's right. Yeah. All right. So. Um, I'm ready. For anyone, I'm prepared. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, this is kind of going to go sort of like Spectacular Settlements where we're rolling on tables getting ideas and we're going to be formulating an idea for this dangerous destination uh as we go so we're going to start with uh what i've called the prelude uh section which is a short little bit that kind of just gives us some thematic ideas that we can overlay over the top of our ideas just to kind of have floating in the back of our heads um so interesting for the theme, give me a D20 roll. Okay, well, that one I actually have a physical. So, 14. 14. So, 14, the theme is study, the seeking of answers or information pertaining to a specific topic. So, interesting. Just a little idea we can put in our head there. And then uh, our next role is going to be for previous presence. So uh, we're going to see if something else was here before our current dangerous destination. So that's going to be a okay. D20 role as well. All right. Four. Four. So a conflict site. The area was the site of two or more entities engaging in one or more serious conflicts. So some sort of fight went down. And then we have a D10 roll to see about the continued presence. So kind of what signs are of that there still are. Four. Four. So traces. What was here was replaced by the destination. However, there are still small clues or bits of evidence pointing to what was once here. So... If somebody maybe kind of knows what they're looking for or is especially observant, they might, um, okay. you know, maybe they find arrowheads or, you know, stuff like that. Who knows? Um, All right. Then we get to the destination type role. So this is our first main one. Uh, so give me a D12 role and we're going to find out what type of destination this is. Six. Six. Okay, an outpost. This is going. This is actually going very similarly to uh, to our the live stream that we did today. So that's fun. Okay, so we're gonna make an outpost. All right. So let's have a D10 roll to see who the establishing entity was. Uh, an outpost is a satellite location built by an entity in another place. The purpose of this location may vary depending on the goals of the entity that had it established. Five. Five. So a private organization, the outpost was established by a business guild or other formally created group. And then 
we go to the purpose of this place, and it's a D12. Is it really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Two. Two. Military security. The outpost was built to make the area safer, either for the establishing entities, people, and operations, the locals yeah. in the outpost area, or both. So, okay. security. And then we're going to roll for importance. So it's a D8 roll. Okay. Six. Six. So important. The purpose of the outpost or the work being done there is regarded as being quite important and fair amounts of attention are paid to it by the concerned parties. The other options here is that it was either forgotten, it's unimportant, or on the other end of the spectrum it's vital so it's possible mm. you could have a place that the that was established but was then forgotten about or neglected or something like that interesting yeah so let's see how big it is it's going to be a d10 roll one tiny the outpost amounts to a small shack cottage or a single room structure so it's a little itty bitty outpost and then let's have a D12 roll for its condition. Seven. Seven. So it's in good condition. The outpost is organized and passingly clean. Structural maintenance has been made a priority and structural vulnerabilities are only minor at worst, such as creaky doors or windows, non-functioning locks, minor roof leaks, boarded up windows, etc. Mm, okay. So we're getting a picture here. And let's see how well equipped this place is. It's going to be a D12 mm -hmm. roll. Okay, D12. Two. Two. So, bare bones. The outpost lacks anything more than the most basic equipment needed to do the job. And even the equipment available is hodgepodge, secondhand, in poor condition, or perhaps even improvised. That's very interesting. And then let's see who occupies this place now. So it's going to be a D20 roll. 11. 11. Ah, so new uh, and peaceful. So then uh, it is occupied by non-original inhabitants who are residing in the outpost after obtaining it peacefully. This typically means that either the headquarters or rather the outpost uh, was surrendered to the current inhabitants or it was abandoned and the current inhabitants moved in. So okay. that's, that's interesting. And then let's see about their discipline. So a D10. 10. 10. Wow. Rigidly disciplined. So they're not well equipped, but they are... It's very strict. Uh, the inhabitants have a rock solid structure. Each individual knows not only their own role, but understands their place within the group. All right. So now we're going to roll to see about our environment and what the danger is going to be. So it's going to be two D12 rolls. Interesting. Two separate or two, two uh, separate combined? ones. Yeah. Okay. Eight and eight. Cool. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> this is leaning even more into uh, 
what our stream was today. So eight for the environment is a swamp. So it's his little shack in the freaking swamp. <laughs> this is getting good. Okay. And eight for the outpost danger is going to be humanoids. So that will be good. Okay. So now we're going to roll to find out about the swamp that we are in. So let's have a D10 to find out the destination's location within the swamp. Two. Two. So outer swamp. The destination is within the swamp, no more than a few hours walk from its edge or a quarter of the distance from the swamp's edge to its center, whichever is shorter. So it's nearish to the swamp's outer edge. And then let's do a D4 roll to see what kind uh, of region it's in, whether it's a cold or temperate region. Uh, what, what did I say? Oh, a D4. Okay, four. All right, so it's going to be a temperate or warm region. And then we jump down here. And we're going to see what the recent weather has been. Give me a D8. Okay. Six. Six. So heavy rain. There have been heavy amounts of rain recently and the flooding is and flooding is likely. Rivers and streams may have overflowed their banks and exposed paths of travel are now washed out unless they were raised above the swamp. Finding supplies for a fire is nearly impossible. And this comes with a little modifier um, depending on what swamp type we roll later. So I'll just remember that on my side. So I, I'm starting to put some of the story together. Yeah. What are you thinking? If, you, if you'll allow me to interlude a little no, bit. Go here. ahead. Um, I'm thinking like Kotoa. Could be right? like if that counts as humanoid, I think it does. Um, but like something tribal. So I'm thinking the the Kotoa live in these swamplands, and like essentially you're on the border between their land mm. and like your civilization. And this is a you know essentially a, a privately run outpost that. Make sure that uh, all relations are are very nice, but they're tenuous enough that they could go south really quickly. Mm. And this could also work well with like lizard folk, sure. uh, basically in so- any sort of like amphibious or reptilian, you know, race could make sense. Yeah. Uh, or even like a tribe of swamp related barbarians like we typically when you say barbarian you think mountains or forests mm-hmm. you know snowy tundras like i guess there's really no reason um why they couldn't be swamp barbarians they could be from the bayou yeah that's <laughs> freaking great i love that idea swamp barbarians well how dare shell we got some um we got a we got some battle axes and um, some bullfrog. <laughs> we are not going to let you pass without you uh, paying this your toll. We hit with this uh, your toll here. This your toll here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Us. 
I say you got to pay, boy. You got to pay. Oh my goodness. Oh man. So it's gonna uh, be so oh fog. That could be really fun. So yeah, I see this as being something that maybe you introduce earlier on in the campaign, and it's fine for now, but a mistake that's made later turns this into a more dangerous destination. Right. Interesting. Uh, where um, the, the tenuous, um, you know, sort of uh, peace is, is broken. Right. Mm. So the, these new and peaceful inhabitants from this private military security, mm-hmm. you know, that those, those two things almost don't seem to go together Except for if if nothing's happened here in like a long time, you know, it's just like underfunded and like yeah. they're la- they're lazy about it and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm on watch. Don't worry. He goes back to reading his book, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, the well, yeah. they do have rigid discipline, but if it's oh, only yeah, like true. two or three dudes. That's true. You know, right. Yeah. It could be severely understaffed. Yeah. Right. But like, they are like, okay, listen, like if they're Koto, it's like, okay, here's how to not trigger their inherent madness. Right. And get them to like run over and start stabbing people and, and whatnot. Like you have to follow the rules very carefully. Otherwise this all breaks down. Can't have that. Can't have that. Or. You got to give the the Bayou Barbarians, you know, a, a, bayou barbarians. A, a toll of shrimp, you know, you got to give them mm, some shrimp, shrimp, keep them at bay, shrimp. And if it ain't and if it d- ain't done uh, uh, as preferred, then we was going to have some problems on our hand. Shall <laughs> every single one of them talks with like a long piece of grass stuck just hanging out of their teeth. <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> let's let's see uh let's see what the current weather is. Give me a D6. Okay. 4. 4. Okay. So it's the same as recent. So it has been heavily raining and it still is heavily raining. So this gets into like when the PCs show up. It's dumping rain. So that's a uh, kind of a little um, hint for the GM in that direction where uh, nudges them toward thinking about the weather when the PCs uh, show up. Now let's find out what type of swamp this is with a D10 roll. Type of swamp. I I would not have even thought to question. Mm. Two. Two. Okay, so a stream web, small streams and rivulets crisscross the landscape in a haphazard fashion, none of which are wider than a few feet. The ground tends toward dampness, though some dry spots may be found, though right now it's freaking pouring rain. So those small rivulets may have pulled up a bit. So, in, yeah, you know, I'm starting to imagine that maybe one of the rules of discipline that exists here in the in the tenuous peace between us and the inhabitants is, listen, we got some bridges here and you could step on the bridges <laughs> from go to from dry spot to dry spot. But you will never 
never step in the water. You don't step in the river. You don't step in a puddle. These waters is sacred to the Bayou Barbarians. <laughs> Bayou Barbarians don't want you touching their freaking water. Oh, man. So how oh, Mama's they- going to have a problem. And by the way, Mama's the final boss, of course. Oh, of course. Because because she don't like foosball. <laughs> what? <laughs> Foosballs of the devil, Mama. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? Why is foosball so bad? Haven't you ever seen Waterboy? Oh, it was so long ago. Oh, my God. It's like one of the few actually good Adam Sandler films. Oh, my God. I need to go back and watch. Yeah, man. Watch it with with your kids. It's stupid. (laughs) Well, it's an old Adam Sandler movie. They all are. They all are. Oh, my God. Okay. So let's see what our you never step in the water. You never <laughs> you step, only step in the on water. their little bridges. Oh my god! How, how do they get their drinking water? If the bridge break down, you still don't walk in the water. You gotta <laughs> wait for someone to fix a bridge. He's <laughs> <laughs> just standing on the little chunk of busted bridge, going, "I hope they show up soon." <laughs> I know what you're thinking. How are they gonna know? When I walk into the water and no one ran, they're going to find out. <laughs> they're going to find out. The ripples travel, they do. The rip- they feel it in their bones. <laughs> they feel it. It's, it's like when a storm's coming. You just see some of these little bastards sitting around a campfire. And one of them goes, <gasps> what was that, Jerry? Somebody done stepped into water. It's a window in the water. <laughs> Okay, let's see what our tree density is. Roll a d12. <laughs> okay, um, I, I'm putting Bayou Barbarians in something now. Yeah. Um, 12. 12. Wow. Okay, this is how they don't step in the water. Choking. The trees around the destination are spaced very closely, leaving spaces no larger than 10 feet between trees but often as tight as five feet the destination remains dark until three hours after sunrise and is only able to get dim light for the rest of the day the destination becomes fully dark three hours before sunset wow that's now my picture is totally changed because now i'm thinking this is this could be rainforest with this like uh, temperate humidity and yeah. all of the uh, all the rainfall and flooding and the way it goes. Like I'm I'm this would actually be a great spot for Yonti to exist. You know, um, could be you could have big like river boas and that sort of thing. I still need uh, Bayou Barbarians though. Yeah, I mean they're they're in there. They're in there. <laughs> oh in there. man. Okay, so the bullfrog tribe. <laughs> <laughs> there's one of the tribes that the oof got they don't talk about damn much <laughs> <laughs> they're the they're the the cousins 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 they mm. just kind of ignore them 
Oh man. <laughs> okay. So let's see about <laughs> because I just got this picture. They got these like bullfrog hats on. <laughs> <laughs> the big old bug eyes. <laughs> they like walk cut around, taking themselves all seriously. Real serious. None of them smile or laugh. They they're like we're, we're serious barbarians too. <laughs> the the Uthgart elk tribe and like bear tribe. They're like they just like face pop. They're like I don't know this guy. I can't. I can't even with these. Oh gosh. These backwater idiots. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Roll me a D6. Five. Five. Ah, interesting. Okay. So this is for destination integration. So, how is the destination, our little shack, integrated into the swamp? So, a five gets us risers. So the destination is being raised and held above the swamp's surface. So that's cool. Um, So it's not like down in it. It's held up. So the other two options would have been waterlogged. So it's like just straight up in the muck or a barrier. So like little dams or walls, that sort of thing. Um, Right. Like something professional. (laughs) Correct. So uh, the next table is a D8 roll to see whether the risers are physical or magical in nature. Three. Three. So physical. The barriers or risers for the destination are physical, such as walls, pillars, platforms, or other structural elements. Mm -hmm. And then let's find out what the state of those are. So another D8. Yeah. Okay. Eight. Eight. Wow. Okay. So reinforced, the barriers or risers are not only solid and intact, but have extra support or protections to ensure continued stability. So they're like this, this little shack or building is on like, like concrete pylons, like driven down into the earth. So this thing is like super stable no matter what else is going on around it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like to think it's maybe like an old watchtower or perhaps a, um, you know, some some sort of uh, guard post. Definitely could have been. Maybe maybe exist in, in times of greater war. And it's, it's uh, like, because the theme behind everything was supposed to be study. Mm. So I, I wonder if it has like this historical significance and, you know, to, to remain standing yeah, you know, or if it's part of a, a big historical battle landmark, but it's, you know, there's just almost no trace of, of what that old kingdom even looked like. And maybe this is one of the rare pieces that exist. And it's just this incredibly well-built and secured outpost that was done in such a way as to out survive like the rest of its like empire. Or yeah. I I remember hearing um it's a gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have walls. It's just freaking railings. That's why all their stuff is in such crappy condition. It's, it's the stilts. Oh my god. But what stilts they are. Okay. But it's got roof. It's got a roof. What else do you need? That's pretty good. Let's get a D4 roll, and that's going to tell us how many 
natural hazards are around this place. All right. Good old D4. Uh, one. One. Okay. And now let's have a D10 roll to see what the natural hazard is. Okay. Seven. Seven. Oh, this is freaking terrific, especially for why you don't step off the freaking bridges and walkways. Sinkholes. There are sinkholes peppering the area concealed beneath the surface. If those traveling through the swamp are doing so at normal or higher speeds and are not being guided by someone with experience or knowledge of this sort of environment, roll a percentile die. On results of 1 to 25, a random member of the group falls into a sinkhole. The sinkhole is 1d4 times 5 feet deep. If someone does not see the victim fall into the hole, finding them will be very difficult. And now I feel like this place needs uh, rodents of unusual size. Yes. And Inf- flame spurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little puffing sound that precedes them so we can avoid that in the future. Perfect. Perfect. It's so convenient. So convenient. All right. And let's learn about some local fauna. Throw me a D6 and see if there's any local fauna around this place. Four. Four. Ooh, two. So now roll a D20 two times. Okay. Uh, 11 and eight. 11 and eight. Oh, my God. Okay. Now roll me a D6 as well. Okay. The anticipation builds. Four. Four. Oh, my God. Okay. So there's a giant lizard and a giant poisonous snake that are making their home kind of right around the destination. So that's fun. And those um, with this uh, local fauna table that we rolled on earlier, we also make sure to mention that these are not the dangers, the capital D dangers for this destination. This is just some animals that live around this freaking place. Right. So these might be the appendix monsters that just roam. Right. So the giant anacondas are, are running around and you've got the, uh, yeah, probably either monitor lizards or crocs. Right. Right. Exactly. Gators. We got some gators. That's right. That's right. You make yourself some, some jerky. Mm -mm. All right. So now we have finished the environment and we get on to humanoids danger. So we get to learn about these guys that. Oh, I, f- I feel like we already know all about these guys. I, th- <laughs> I think we got it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to skip it. <laughs> well, let me ask you, how much is there left? Because uh, we've been uh, we're at uh, about an hour. Mm. Um, you want to just, you know, how are we doing? Do you want to keep going? There's, there's, I'll leave, I'll leave it up to you. You know what? We can just blow through these real fast and just see what you think. All right. Gotcha. Okay. So give me a D20 roll. Okay. Nine. All right. The group that occupies the place are mages. <laughs> so that's something. And then roll me a D10. We'll see how big. Their group size is six, six. All right. So the group 
is made up of 3D6 plus two individuals. Oh, okay. So now we're getting into uh, the nitty gritty of like what exactly Correct. is here. Right. Okay. So there's a group. Uh, I rolled that. I have eight mages. Cool. Okay. So let's see about their group leadership. So give me a D10. Is a king for all. <laughs> uh, four. Four. Okay. Solo. There is one leader. All others in the group are considered equal. So that one leader is in addition to the other folks that we've. Okay. That we've so got. that. So if I rolled eight before, there's now nine. Correct. And one of them's a leader. Okay, right. Gotcha. All right. So now we're going to roll on this table to see what the leader's strength is. So D12. Okay. Seven. Seven. Ooh. The leader's strength is magic power divine. The leader is very proficient with divine magic. So some of the other options would have been like clever, charismatic, connected, a doctor, learned, uh, physically capable, a scout being very smart, or uh, the final, if you rolled a 12, it uh, it's additional. So you'd actually get to roll multiple times on this table so we can mm, have more cool. than one strength, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. So now we get to roll a D20 to see what the leader's weakness is. 11. 11. <laughs> this is so great, especially picturing these bullfrog barbarian <laughs> types. <laughs> Grandiose. The leader has visions of greatness which they aspire to, and they can frequently let that get the better of them. They care about showmanship, legacy, and making their mark. <laughs> I see. So you, you might say they like to puff out their neck and chest. Yes, you might. You might say that indeed. Oh my gosh. They've actually altered their bodies so they can expand their necks like bullfrogs. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, like, oh God, I've done it again. <laughs> The leader is like, he's the leader because he can do it the biggest. <laughs> guys, 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 check this out. It's just <laughs> Well, I guess that means he's a leader. Yeah. You're challenge now. You're right. Who <laughs> doggy? You see that? Oh, my God. Okay. So let's find out the group's attitude. Let's roll a D10. Okay. Six. Six. Focused. The inhabitants are focused on whatever tasks or jobs they have to do. So these guys take their work real serious. All right. And group loyalty. Give me a D10. Okay. What unites, what unites the members of the group? Incentive. The group is driven by what they get for their efforts, usually money, but could also be knowledge, resources, etc. If the group stops getting what they've been enjoying, that would likely be a problem. Mm, gotcha. And this could fit in nicely with our theme of study. So maybe these guys are learning something in the area that they find particularly interesting. Yeah. You know, this all started with like this stilted gazebo and now I'm feeling like it's almost the least important part of it. Yeah. Like, like there's other stuff out here where this like private group of 
security specialists essentially coexist with this like swamp tribe cult thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the tribe, they just basically tolerate them because they can trade for basic resources as long as they obey very strict rules <laughs> and, and, and deal with their just like, ridiculous you know, like, bullfrog nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I love these guys. I'm pretty sure those guys are like really evil and are up to some dark stuff. But, you know, um, did you see their whatever, hats? They, they, they pay good prices on, you know, supplies. So it's fine. Oh, my God. OK, <laughs> as long as they don't start anything, there there won't be anything. <laughs> I'm just start. I'm just nothing, here to do my job. Be nothing. Frankly, we're we're only alive because they don't know how understaffed we are, which, you know, to be fair, I don't know how that is because we don't have any walls. <laughs> no. no, there have to be. We walls. literally just have like dummies set up that hold like spears. They don't get close enough to tell. <laughs> Good Lord, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them and they stay up late. They, they, they never go to bed. They, never they don't even change move. enough and... <laughs> <laughs> they, they got it's like uh like kevin in home alone they put him on like some freaking turntables to get him to like dance around or something. like animate yeah <laughs> so good okay let's see what the extent of these guys loyalty is give me a d20 man nine nine so loyal the members of the group are dedicated so long as they aren't given a decent reason to change their minds they stick to the group and do what's in its best interest all right and makes sense especially with like a divine magic empowered leader you know like they're they're probably going to have some sort of religious observance to this guy totally totally and oh this is interesting because this is going to get into their uh potential interactions with the uh the bullfrog tribe uh so group locality how many of the group if any are from the destinations area give me a d10 one oh my god <laughs> every member of the group that's occupying the destination are locals the entire group is made up of folks from the destinations general area <laughs> Okay, so there's there's bullfrog tribe, and then there's ex bullfrog tribe, (laughs) or maybe they're still in it, but they just have a job now. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Okay, sure. They they think they're better than the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) They don't live in the gazebo, so you know they they they're less than us they consider themselves literally high and mighty because where they live is on stilts <laughs> on stilts it's their ivory tower they, they look down on all the <laughs> idiot bullfrog tribesmen <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like idiot straightens his bullfrog poncho oh my god <laughs> this is gonna be good okay non-group local familiarity give me a d8 good lord how many more dice are there not too many i don't think okay let's see what you got 
Seven. Seven. Oh, man. Okay. This is for non-group local familiarity. If there are locals nearby, how familiar are the other locals in the area with the group and their activities? Unaware. The locals don't know (laughs) of the group and have no information regarding the group. So the other bullfrog people are freaking clueless. Okay. So this is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what like, the hell? <laughs> they're like sneaky. How do they not know about this? <laughs> so I, I, I guess it must be the cult must have very tight borders. In like you, basically, if you come in at all, like no one ever hears from you again. Maybe that's how they recruit people. Maybe they basically kidnap and brainwash you, or or just kill you. Oh, that's that's freaking fantastic. Okay, and. Group complications. Give me a D20. Oh, it wasn't complicated. Nope. (laughs) Not yet. Two. Two. Okay. No complications. Things are currently business as usual. (laughs) But that's that's the first one through eight. But nine and up, you get stuff like uh, relationship. Two of the group's members are in a relationship or having a disagreement. One's accusing another member of something one's injured sick died one's being punished all kinds of freaking stuff it gets crazy okay so we can have a little scenario to walk in on right um instead of the they're the the bullfrog tribe bureaucracy you know <laughs> just doing business as usual and they're croak, boring understaffed croak. job <laughs> you go talk to them they don't even look up from like their like clipboard and they're just like just fill they just point fill out form a a section b <laughs> the freaking bullfrog dmv or something that's <laughs> just, just like they have literal red tape that they make everyone. Like, how did you guys infiltrate the cult? Like, not once did anyone at the guard post actually physically look at us. <laughs> they, they just, they're working hard or what? hardly working. Well, like, one guy faked the accent and everybody else stayed quiet and followed. <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep moving. Just keep moving. Okay. So, <laughs> now... We get to our last table, which is the situational influence. What is something influencing the group's situation? Okay. What do I roll? Uh, D10. I should have said something. (laughs) 10. 10. Nice. Okay. Want someone or something wants and roll a D8. Okay. Six. Six. Someone or something wants enlightenment. Okay. Now we're getting back to the study. Yeah. And that's it. So um, for the situational influence, this is a table I had a lot of fun with. Um, There's stuff. uh, There are five categories. So seeking someone, seeking information, seeking an item, an attempt. So someone or something is attempting something or want. And then within each of those is a sub role for what kind of thing. So like seeking someone could be a celebrity criminal, someone that's escaped, kidnapped, blah, 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 blah. Um, right. So there's a whole bunch of variation in that. So cool. That's our dangerous destination. All right. That that was the 
you know, it's, it was, it's fun to, to go through that process and to, you know, as the, as the GM, one of the things that we really dislike doing is prep, right? Yeah. It's, it's something you, you must do. And, you know, you, you might ask the question, well, how can I make prep more fun? Mm-hmm. Well, a- allowing yourself to let go of some degree of control is a really good way to do that. And both with spectacular settlements and with this uh, system, you know, it's, it can be a fun part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that matter, the DMG uh, and various other books um, ha- have a lot of other very useful tables that can help you generate things like NPCs and villains and oh yeah, and this sort of thing. And it's and it's very useful to kind of grease the wheels. I I actually um, when I was prepping for my my physical game where they were fighting Yanti, mm-hmm. I was I. I said, okay, there's a commoner here and a commoner here and a commoner here. And then I found myself with like an extra hour to burn. Hmm. And, and I was like, okay, you know what? Let's, f- let's find out who all of the commoners are. Yeah, right? there you go. And so I rolled up like 10 characters using a combination of, of information between the DMG and Xanathar's. Nice. Um, you know, came up with some pretty dynamic stuff and it, and it was really fun to, it was a lot more fun to roll on the tables and to sort of let fate decide than it was to go, okay, well, what I guess makes the most sense. Sure. And you know, what should be here. And then you're sort of telling a story that seems fairly, you know, natural, but maybe a little obvious. Right. One of the fun things about this is that a lot of the things don't go together. Yep. And that's a feature. Yep. Both in settlements and in the DMG and in, and in this book, um, you know, it's, again, it, it's going to make you think about things that you didn't expect. Yeah. And, um, so for, for that reason, you know, I, I highly recommend this sort of technique when going into, to preparation. Yeah. And, you know, allow yourself the joy of discovery. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I tell everyone the same thing, like, you know, I, I've run into people who, um, who really like to pick and choose like they they like that control they you know prefer to like look at the table and pick the thing they like off the table that sort of thing um and i tell them like it's it's fine to have your preferences and it's fine to have the things you like and stuff like that but if you go into especially settlements or this with that kind of approach you are really taking the wind out of the sails of the tool and you're not really getting the getting the full power of the tool um where if you just let yourself roll on everything and then once you're done and you've looked at what's been presented to you then you can go back and change certain things if you then still feel compelled to really like, ah, I really, really wanted something a little more like this or with this specific feature. Then by yeah. all means, but um, it's so great to just open yourself up to all the different possibilities and go, let's see what comes of this because it'll make something pop into your head that never would have freaking shown up before. And it can, you can really surprise yourself. And I mean, 
just just through doing this, like I and we're not even sitting in the same room and I could see your face practically in my head. Right. And like I can completely picture your expression as your Mm -hmm. ideas were changing in real time, which is really cool. Like. You start out with this idea like you were thinking about the Kuotoa and all this stuff, but like there's always a few roles that'll show up and you'll be like, well, that throws a huge wrench into where I thought this was going. Or or it's just another idea, something that you might not have thought of. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you know what might be even more interesting is if it's this instead, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's really good. It also supports the method of world building that I find works for me mm. really well. Like if you want to create a homebrew world, it can be very exciting, but can also be very daunting. And yeah, you know, I, I, I think we talked about it on an inspiration point in the past, but just to kind of mention it, like I really prefer to start local and build outwards, yep. start small as opposed to, you know, doing the more intuitive kind of, okay, I'm going to make a world and then it's going to have continents and yeah. then the continents are going to be broken up into countries and regions. And then we're going to break that further down, 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 down. And then like, after you've designed your cosmology and everything else, now let's start planning a campaign. Yeah. We were talking I, about the I city really, of odd and how I just yes, freaking burnt yeah. out. Yep. And then it's a good way to burn out. And and that's another big thing that these tables can help you do is, is prevent burnout. And because what I would rather do is take a day, roll up a dangerous destination and, you know, say, okay, I have this swamp people scenario that exists. Swamp I don't know people. how it connects to anything yet. Maybe the next day I, you know, do a spectacular settlement. There you go. Then the next day I, I make a villain, right? Totally. And then I make another dangerous destination, another settlement. And and then after you have these pieces, they go, okay, well, now I'm going to build a, a region for it to all, you know, support all of these things. Yep. And now all of a sudden you've, you've allowed this creative exercise to essentially build a campaign for you. Yep. And, you know, what I've done in, in my homebrew world is I started very local. We started building out. And then in the second campaign, because there was still a lot more to discover, we had a sequel campaign that existed in the same world, and we were able to build it out further and further. And in the third game, we build it out further and further, and we're still going through that one. Um, yeah. But it it has allowed me to access this world for various other mini campaigns and uh, in other situations without having to necessarily go back to all the notes because it's all just built in now. And yep. That's another thing that it helps you do as I've been trying to learn a module. Like I can read the same note in a module over and over again and not remember it. Mm. But there's something about going through the building process that helps it, at least for me, cement it in the mind. Yeah. And that that can be really tough. Like there's something about it just having originated in your own head that it just you know, as you would imagine, just has that more innate familiarity, I guess. And which is not to say that the stuff that in the in the published adventures isn't necessarily interesting. Oh, definitely not. 
Yeah, it's great. But it is, you know, it, it's the same reason I tell my students that they have to take notes and I prefer that they physically by hand write notes, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're reading off a computer, because there's something about going through that, that physical process that helps retain information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, that was, that was really fun. And that went to a place that I, I was not expecting, like on our live stream today, it wound up being a, it was a uh, spot in the swamp with a theme of study, no less. Um, but it was like a two story outpost um, that was also a military focus, but it was a supply depot. And it was like half of its bottom story was basically mud, like was creeping up because the swamp is so freaking deep. So the entire bottom story is sealed off and these guys can only come and go through the upper story like windows and the the perimeter around this place is being they're basically being besieged by a ghoul who's living like in the freaking mud so their relief like can't make it to them it's it's it was really something else and our initial roles to like come into this were leaning in that direction i was like wow this is it's weird how similar the roles are going so far and then you know that's that's all cool but it's not as cool is dubai you bullfrog tribe cult that's right it just isn't it just isn't just isn't and that was and that's still house there that's that still house there. oh man so good so good well thanks for doing this man i hope you had a good time um oh yeah everyone else i hope you had fun listening take these role results and see if maybe you can come up with something neat with it too we'd love to hear what you would do with these same role results that could be really cool and um if you're interested go check out if you listen to this in the very near future Go over to Kickstarter and check out Dangerous Destinations from Nord Games. And uh, you can also head over to NordGamesLLC.com and uh, check out Spectacular Settlements as well as a bunch of our other stuff. Um, And uh, last but not least, just thanks everyone for hanging out. Uh, In particular, as always, we want to say thank you to our patrons who supported us over on Patreon. So a big thank you to Spike and Logan. And uh, if you'd like to get your name on the show, head over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the $5 level, as well as a shout out on the episodes. You'll also be able to vote on different things when we do polls be able to submit mailbag questions and you'll get access to our private discord community. And if you're feeling super inspired and want a game with us, support us at the hundred dollar tier where Adam will run a custom campaign just for you and anyone else who decides to join at that Epic level. So uh, also please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. And if you listen via iTunes or any other platform that allows for reviews, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think. Write up a review 
We love to read it. And uh, finally, you can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast. And we're on Twitter at IPRPGcast. So all that having been said, um, well, we'll see you next time. Eh? Eh? See you next time. Yeah. 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 We'll see you next time. <laughs> Stay inspired, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.